checking out episode 29, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. So, Santos, uh, I know I gave you an assignment. We, we issued an assignment for this episode, and it's been a long time since we've kind of gotten together face-to-face and seen each other, so I, I decided let's just fuck the theme is the theme of this episode. I uh, love fuck the theme. And <laughs> you know I do. And uh, I, f- I figured it's kind of your style. Absolutely, so, yeah. Um, I wanted to just kind of – I got a bunch of random stuff that I've been checking out, different things I've been wanting to talk to you about. So first off, um, I, I felt like I had to tell you about uh, recently we were – and for some reason, whenever I go off on this rant, it's always in front of clients, which is, of course, really appropriate. But um, <laughs> You're known – yeah, you're <laughs> great at that. You're the, great at that. The, the – um, Topic, and as soon as I tell you what this is, you'll of course remember because you were there the first time when I really went off on this. Uh, the topic was the movie Chef. Shut the fuck. <laughs> Are you serious? So I went off on like another rant again. You're um, lying. In to, front to, of a client? To, to a client <laughs> who said like – was talking about how the you, movie Chef was a great movie. Okay. Was, so just for our listeners, just to set it up, <laughs> I'm not going to take you through the whole thing, but it was it was so – like there were, th- there were three of us. On either side of Eric, and, cringing, and, like tearing, tearing oh, a client, a new one. Like, oh, oh let me just say, JG was not cringing. He was cheering me on the whole oh, time. Oh, he was loving yeah. it. Because what does he have to lose? It's not his client. He could give a shit. It was fun. And not that, I mean, of course, n- it never got to that point. But it, for me, I was like, Oh, wow! Fucking taking a stand, it, it, taking a fucking stand. Here. It, it hit a raw nerve because, like, okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> you hate that movie. I don't understand so why anyone anyone thinks that's a good movie. So my whole thing about this movie is for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, John Favreau plays a chef who's sort of kind of languishing mid career, sort of lost his passion for food, and like his loss of his passion for food is a metaphor for like him kind of fucking up with his um, son and his wife. He and his wife are divorced. And um, he uh, is working at this restaurant where they're bringing in like these Cisco, you know, like a big food company just brings in the molten chocolate cake. And he has this thing about this molten chocolate cake. And it really? kind of symbolizes okay. like that. He's just like, does not give a fuck. He's given it up. Yeah. He's given up. Uh, and, um, he gets panned by a critic and the whole movie is of course about him finding his passion for food again and thus Ugh, straightening gross. out his life. It's like t- a totally cliche piece of shit. So and my whole gross. thing about it is the, the way it, the, it's the critique that it lay, it like, um, puts toward the molten chocolate cake. It is the, it is the Cisco molten chocolate cake of movies. It is straight <laughs> right. down the middle, a cliche piece of shit. And, um, the way it represents food and food culture is so disingenuous that it annoys the shit out of me. And what annoys me is that people who like food seem to really – that's what they latch on to. Yeah, like, what the fuck? This woman uh, who cuts our hair in Minneapolis who every time I get my hair cut, we just talk about food for an hour. Food, food, food. Oh, blah, fun. Blah, blah. Have you tried this place? I traveled. I tried this place. Have you tried this recipe? I'm baking this. I'm cooking this way. And she was the one who was like, oh. You have to see Chef. No. Like, you have to see Chef. <laughs> oh. You have to watch this film. And I watched it, and I um, also take the blame for dragging my wife Nicole into this. And even Nicole was like, if if at the end of this movie he gets back, <laughs> he, if he reunites with his 
wife's, who's played by Sofia Vergara in the movie. This movie, I was like, no. Like, you like, it, it can't possibly be, it couldn't be that, that hack of a movie. It couldn't be that much of a cliched piece of shit. Fucking wish fulfillment Hollywood bullshit. Sure enough. No. Boom. Are you serious? <laughs> that really, really does get yes. back with his he fucking wife. He gets back at the with end? his wife. And um, the worst part of it is, and this is like Hollywood at its worst, he goes and he gets this like rat infested like piece of shit truck that he, that he turns into a food truck. And he and his son have this bonding moment where they clean it up and it's shiny and polished within like a single day. Is there a montage? Oh, is... it's a total montage oh. with the song and all that Motherfucker. shit. Motherfucker. And that's the other thing is like, um, when I say it's disingenuous about food, I also mean about like how fucking hard it is to do a successful restaurant startup and it's how impossible. hard it is to be a chef who like it's it's all about struggle. And in this like he barely has to struggle to do any he his transformation is so facile. It's as facile as his transformation of this truck. And that's oh. what I hate about that movie. So here's my whole thing about John Favreau. And this is what I said to the guy. I took it to the next level the second time because he was like, well, wh- like, do you like, he's like started naming off all these John Favreau movies. Do you like this? Do you like this? And I was like, Swingers was okay. But here's my deal with John Favreau. He, just like the chef he plays in the movie, he is, lo- he is phoning it in. He has lost his passion for creating film. If yeah. he was ever talent, talented in the first place, which is an argument. It, it, what I, I would, I think he is taking the spots and the opportunities that much more talented young filmmakers could be taking uh, to and getting a chance to really do interesting things in film. Oh, oh yeah. He's not doing anything interesting. He's not breaking any new ground. I, and this is what I said in this in this latest <laughs> argument. He should just stop making films. Yes. Everyone thought was like this completely outlandish statement and i was like really that's that's honestly how i feel about it what are you gonna lose out on you're gonna lose out on what like there isn't somebody else that's gonna step in and make fucking iron man like anybody can make that fucking movie anyone can make that oh and anyone i i would rather see someone take some risks i feel like ever since joss whedon made avengers like everyone has just been trying to copy what he did with avengers and doing a a poor job including joss whedon himself (laughs) yes exactly because Avengers 2 was like a poor facsimile of the first one. It was just like a tangled mess of shit. Exactly. Um, and I, I also feel like now that um, Guardians of the Galaxy was really successful, it's like, oh, this like jokey, kind of dark yep. superhero thing, like that's where it's at. So I don't know. Have you seen Deadpool yet? I have not seen Deadpool. Okay. So I, I resisted going to see it because I felt like it was going to be part of this trend. I have to say, it's not like an amazing film, but it was pretty entertaining. Well, at least it's R-rated. So that it has that going for it. So I was really happy to see that they, you know, they were willing to do that. Um, I, I will admit, I, um, it, was, it isn't one of the comics that I have read and followed. So I thought like... Likewise, yeah. The way, it, the way it breaks the fourth wall and is kind of self-referential about being a comic, I thought was actually really interesting. Oh, well. I, I didn't know that. I'm not like a huge fan down. of Ryan Reynolds. No, neither am I. Um, He's a fucking he, he totally shit the bed in that um, Green Lantern movie. That was oh, terrible. Yeah. I think he's actually, to his own credit, made, like, made fun of himself for that Green really? Lantern yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, I love the is, Green Lantern too, man. I fucking love the Green Lantern. Yeah, you know, in recent comics and recent shows and stuff, the Green Green Lantern is a, a black character, which I think I, that, I oh, that prefer. makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, growing up and reading the comic, like 
of course, never pictured him as being black because, you know, I grew up in the 70s when 80s, but... So, anyways, so my whole thing about John Favreau is, and if you go on his fucking IMDb page, there's this sick discussion in the comments about all these people talking about how multifaceted and talented he is. And wasn't, Are you kidding? wasn't he amazing as an actor on Friends? And I was like, on fucking Friends? He was completely terrible. He. Uh- all right, who's even talking? To, I mean, <laughs> you gotta be. These shit. are the people that are going to see Chef. Yeah, this ex- is the problem. These exactly. This is this is why my I, whole wish about John Favreau uh, stopping making films is never going to come true because there are guy. people people like that. Fuck that guy. So the least I can do is like not have anything to do with anything, you know. You know, to be honest, like the, even from the first fucking time that I saw him, I was bummed out because I was like at the time that I saw him. You know, my first exposure to him was Swingers, and at the time, I was very much into vintage California um, clothing. So right. I was buying my, you know, on eBay at the at the thrift stores, buying my Mister California shirts, buying my Pendletons, getting my. And then this movie comes out, and I was like, "I motherfucker!" I'm like, I thought this was my thing, and and that's all, you know, whatever. I guess it it wasn't my thing ever to begin with, but when I saw that, I was like, I, I kind of blamed him for it. I was like, ah, you son of a bitch, you outed me. So now right. I gotta do something else. And 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 I'll be honest, I did enjoy that movie more for Vince Vaughn than right. For I was him. gonna say, do you think? It would it have been a better movie with someone else playing the John Favreau character? Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, to be honest, maybe not because he does play just like a whingy, awkward, piece dork. Of sh- like yeah. yeah, you know. And so yeah, he was actually he was pretty good in that. You know, he was like, you know, just like always whining and missing his girlfriend. Not a not a very multifaceted part, and <laughs> and one that I think that he actually fits well in as a kind of just a, you know. Yeah, whingy douche. All right. Well, just just we'll let him have swingers. He can we can have swingers. It's all his. But he he should hang it up. You're done. You're done, bro. Like yeah. Ex- be an executive producer. Yeah, sure. Just bankroll shit like you Marky Mark. You that, and your so. you and Marky Mark are <laughs> yep, go do it. Like you you made the indie dream come true, bro. You fucking credit carded a movie and you wrote it and you directed you did your whole fucking thing congratulations now you're a hollywood douche just like the rest of them so well done <laughs> well done please don't fucking make another chef yeah no i doubt. haven't even seen it oh. and to be honest dude i don't even know don't. why the fuck you watched it like i mean we didn't see that coming a mile away it's made you so mad this I fucking know. <laughs> I know. so, so I, that's I should have seen it coming a mile away. I don't know why, because this has happened a couple times too. Someone told me that, um, someone whose opinion I trusted that I go to see films with a lot told me that, um, Neighbors, I think it was called. Yes, is, right. It was with like Seth Rogen where he lives next door to the frat house or whatever and he's like married and his life is sad. And, right. you know, um, that that was like super laugh out loud. Like, you're going to laugh through the whole thing. It's super funny. Um, and it had like a couple moments, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, not not great. No, so yeah, I just need to just maybe do a little more research on my own for independent. You don't have validation. a lot of free time. Yeah, you don't have a lot of free time. For fuck's sake, man, we're, we're looking to you as a tastemaker. <laughs> so um, let's talk about a, a good movie. 
Um, Let's please. Cause I, I, I'm pretty sure that you've seen this because on one of the last podcasts that uh, you were talking about, just you were going to see like, I think a 10 o'clock showing of Revenant. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what did you think? A couple times I saw it. Couple times, I would see it twice. Holy shit! In the theater, um, and <laughs> that's serious dedication because this is not a short film and not an easy one to watch. No, no. Um, and yeah, I went to see it twice in the theater, and um, and the first time was better because I just went in ready, like just like a dry sponge. Right. Give me the whole thing. Like I'm not gonna nerd out about. How did they mount the camera? I'm not going to nerd out about a lens. I'm not going to nerd out about any production. I just want the whole thing. And I enjoyed that much more than the second time where I was recalling my first experience and being like, okay, let's see how did he really do this in one take. So, the, um, you know, as I think any kind of film nerd does, like you, it's inevitable to dig in and see the craft behind a movie that is so well-crafted. Like the story behind that movie is it's legend already. Right. So, um, but yeah, man, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about that thing. I mean, it's high art. Um, it's really good. It's high art. And I have to say, I love movies that, um, take a simple, a very simple plot and simple character motivations and just deliver really well on them. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, you know, you can explain the the general plot and story of the movie to, to someone in like 60 seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just so well done. And I, I thought Tom Hardy did a really good job. Oh, man. Well. I think he's so great. Yeah. He just, yeah. It, I mean, it's such a believable character, especially for the time. And, um, you know, just a guy trying to make his way and, you know selfish not giving a fuck and what a gnarly time to be alive holy shit oh <laughs> man what a gnarly time to be alive and like what like extreme like measures people went to um to earn like and it's f- all right so that is what year is that it's got to be it's before the it, war, uh, before the Civil War. Yeah, right. That's yeah. I, and I'm I talking about like turn. early 1800s. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're a good chunk away from the. Um, this is 50. From I the have, Revolutionary War, but you're not like even all of the states. I don't think have been established. No, no, no. And there are no. large swaths of like the West is mostly. Well, you got still, the French are up in the mix. Indian I mean, country. and they're a big yep. part of the story for sure. To be honest, so I have it pegged. You know, and it would be easy to look up and find, and somebody who knows more about the movie would tell us immediately. But I'm guessing you're at 1820 to 1830 is my guess. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, um... Yeah, because when you look at, like, weapons and you look at everything else, like, that kind of lines up. And the amount of Indian tribes that are still in play at that point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's no talk of Custer. There's no – because he was a, he would have been in play um, in that part of the world if, um, if you know, time – the timing was right. So I, I'm guessing I'm close. Uh, um but yeah, at any rate, like who else was earning like and doing what at that time? Like that was like people were like people were making money on the coasts. Like there wasn't much happening right. in the wild north. I mean, they were up here. They were they're well Yeah, Empire Skin. 
right? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Using the Mississippi as a through route and all the rivers, yeah. So, I mean, that happened all through here. And what a, I mean, somebody was, somebody had that, somebody was explaining the movie to me that they were like, it was like watching Planet Earth with a plot. Right. Because it's like, I mean, the the shit that he is able to 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 photograph is just, it's mind-boggling. Do you know where it was? Was it largely shot in Canada? Alberta. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was like, when I was watching it, I was like, this has to have been done in Alaska or like northern Canada because it's just so, it, they capture the remoteness of it. So well, oh, the, the wildness, the wilderness yeah. is like such a profound part of the setting and plot and character. So as, as you know, like it went way over time, way over budget. So they ran in, they lost snow. So there are, um, if you start to dig and they're going to be continue to come out, there's behind the scenes stuff all over the place. Um, and there's a few shots I've seen, like um, production stills of them carting in snow to try and cover a hilltop just to like get one last shot. But it wasn't enough to make it through. They wound up ending. So they took a nine month. They had to stop production because they ran out of snow. Snow melted. Wow. And they had to stop production for nine months and figure out like Jesus. what the f- like. And this is a major production. Right. Where the fuck are we going to go? They well, went also- to the tip of Argentina. Wow. They shipped everybody to the very fucking tip of Argentina. The only other place that had snow at the time, like, to finish the fucking movie. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I didn't know that. It's major. Yeah, the, the nine-month lapse must have been so hard, too, because all those characters oh had, like, God. such intricate and intense injuries and all that kind of stuff. So Just for the makeup people to, like, redo exactly. that and make it consistent. What a nightmare. The crew, for me, like, that's the thing. It's like, how do you crew up again after night? That's a long... That's not like, okay, everybody, go back home, check in, and we're on the road again in a month. Nine months is like, do I get another job? Do I not? How do you How do you crew up again to start shooting in nine months? Like, I'm sure they they kept, like principles on payroll you know what i mean not to fucking nerd out on production but it's like how do you like it's a big thing like that was you know how do you make that movie because that is not there's cg of course i mean right no question and let's talk about that for a minute like i mean how about that fucking bear scene oh my god what the fuck (laughs) so gnarly I I knew it was going to be intense, but it was like way way more intense than I, than I thought it was going to be going in. Oh my god! Oh my god! He looks so good, man. Yeah, he looks so good. Um, it also and, just felt like re- a really realistic interaction. Well, it wasn't just like like gnashing teeth, and it was more like, all right, I'm what's going you're, on? He, the bear you're a threat. And, and the bear didn't overreact to it. No. Like it didn't shred him like and completely gut him. But yeah, and and the bear like hit him and then walked away and, and like, you know, checked, checked on the cubs, the cubs. Yeah. see what was going on, and then came back and sniffed, saw he was still kinda Well well, because he got he I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone, but he's basically stopped playing dead. The, and exactly. I, and I was the whole time I was like, What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh man. Cause there's no way with like <sighs> the kind of weapon tech we we're talking about back then, the idea of taking down a bear with like, dude, a musket. It's like, Oh, there, there's no chance. I don't care where you hit the bear. Yeah. There's no chance. So I'll tell you this, the second time that I was seeing it, um, and I won't ruin how that scene plays out, but at the end of the scene, you see, you saw it, you know what happens. At the yeah. end of the bear scene, somebody two rows back laughed. They were laughing because of how it wound up. And I I couldn't take it. I could I turned around and I was like, not another fucking word. And like and I said it like really loud. And like and I was there with a friend who looked at me, he's like, dude, what? And I was like I was just like, not another fucking word. And and that was in nobody he I'm happy to say. Right. My my tactic worked. I wanna say that people Who laughs. What, that's funny? I think that people laughed at that part when not because it was funny, but it was so like it was like an insult to injury kind of thing. It, that's why. Yeah. Like the the fact that he goes through all of this and then rolls to the bottom and it's um, what happens happens. It's just like, oh my. Because it's just you're sitting there and it's so intense and so intense. And then it's just this moment where like the absurdity of the, like the bad luck is, I think, what was funny to people. Yeah. It, 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 keep it to your fucking self. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. This is not... This is not fucking Fast and Furious, motherfucker. Right. Like, you're in the wrong theater. <laughs> wow, that's intense, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm not playing. I mean, we're, come on, man. What are we doing? This is in Eurito. Like, we're here for right. fucking... This is not... You know what I mean? Come on. For sure. Zip it. Nobody needs to hear you here. <laughs> right. This is not Are We There Yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, that thing, you know, um, so... Did you, I'm guessing you did not watch the Oscars. No. So, um, Leo D won for best actor. I heard that. Um, which people could argue and I would hear the argument. You know what I mean? I, I, I think he deserved it. Um, and, um, it was, it was nice to hear him kind of, um, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of his. I love that guy, you know. And and I, I, it was nice to hear, like, him just sort of rededicate himself to his environmental causes and people. You know, every everybody, every white right wing douche in the world hates him for it. Right, and of course. Fuck them. I, you know what I mean. Like he's right. I mean, come on. And he even. I don't know if he said it during the speech. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but. Like, I mean, they had to actually, they couldn't even shoot the movie with snow in fucking Canada. They had to leave. I mean, what more? <laughs> They're trying to make a movie about this in the coldest part of the fucking world, and they they still have to leave to go find snow. Right. How much more? I mean, come on. Yeah. Like. There's obviously an issue. For fuck's sake. I mean, granted, from year to year, there's going to be a variation, but there's enough data at this point to show there's a, there's a pattern that's creates obvious obvious concern how about those wide shots oh god it's an unbelievably gorgeous film and he also dedicates himself very much um and gives a lot of credit to the native american community and and respects you know their involvement in the film very much and like the actor who um winds up with the bison that he's not able to get a hold of um during that scene 
where the wolves take down a bison. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. wants to get to it, but yeah. he sees that somebody else gets to it first. That dude, three weeks before, was driving a truck. Wow. And was not an actor. And I don't, I don't know the story about how he got casted, like the, how he gets into like an Academy Award winning director's film right. in a month and it just works that out. I do not know, but like he was great. Like I thought that he guy was really good. Like that scene when they're catching snowflakes and there are a lot of very tender moments with that guy that I, I thought were just great. Yeah, from he, a non-actor, he was, he was really natural, right? And it's it's also nice to see. It. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like the same guy who was like in Wind Talkers with John Woo, like that guy. There's like a few Native American yep. actors that get cast in every single role, so it's nice totally. to see someone go pull some other people in and give some other people a chance to. Fucking a. And also, not just did you just see the on one of the recent John Oliver shows they did because of the. Um, the awards and the whole controversy about it being all white nominees. Um, they did this thing about the history of um, whitewashing in Hollywood and all the ethnic roles that have been given to. It's like John Oliver it, did that. Yeah, because oh, there's this criticism that, like, "Oh, there just aren't enough roles," and it's like, "Well, it's not just that there aren't enough roles, but we're talking about like in recent history." Um, Emma Stone playing like a half Asian character. You know, it's like the history of that happening in Hollywood is just like, it's absurd. And, well, it's, and it goes back to day one, right? Right. I mean, and can you believe that it's still happening? <laughs> right. It's absurd. It's, so, come on. Oh my God. Just give, try, just try a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and not, not just the actors either, but like, we don't need any more white men making films about Vietnam. Let's like, Let's see some Vietnamese directors make some films about Vietnam. Jesus Christ. Anyway, right? uh, you want to talk about some whiskey here for a second? Yeah, what the fuck do you think? Yeah. So um, I was thinking about, I I kind of told you we were going to do a flight of single malts, but instead I um, pulled out a flight of bourbons here. Oh, well, did you? I should say, there it's American whiskey. There's two bourbons and a rye. Ha <laughs> ha. Lovely. Talk to me. Talk to me. So uh, the first one, we have two. The one on the left and the one on the far right are both. Um, Tell me where to so start. Here? That's, start with that one. All right. This is um, one of my favorite sort of small batch producers. It's a uh, distillery called Black Maple Hill. And this is um, a 14-year-old straight bourbon. Wow. That's good. It's got like a, it's got kind of a sweet finish to it. You can taste that sort of. Yeah. There's some amounts going on in there though. There's, that is not. Wow. Charred, That's... charred white oak cask. It's, so it's, it's aged in. It is interesting. I don't know what there's something in there that's really characteristic. It's super. Yeah, it's got almost unique. like a, a sweetness to it that's interesting. Well, which is not so, like uncommon, but compare it with this other one. So this there's something. This one on th- this on end on right the far here. end here. That's also a Black Maple Hill. It's a nice glasses. What do you got? What are these? These are um, vintage cocktail glasses. I guess they're really. Brad got them for me as a birthday present. Really, yeah. they're killer. Yeah, they are killer. I love them. Um, so this one is an 18-year-old rye. 
18 years old. 1998, for fuck's sake. I like to think of that year. It's interesting because people tend to think of Rise as, like a lot of people don't like Rise because it's sweeter, but when you compare it with the first one, the 14, it's actually not as sweet. Maybe that's part of the aging. Do people... People generally say like... Sweeter than bourbon? Um, a lot of people think so, yeah. Interesting. Because that's not my... All I know is from me drinking and doing my thing. I, and I don't right. normally think of rye... Um, I think of rye as having more of a bite, which I think this one does. Um, but um, isn't it crazy what time does to liquor? Yeah, it is. It's nuts. Um Yeah, there's a layer of it's complex, both of those. Yeah. Yeah, this Black Maple Hill, I, they almost went out of business like five, seven years ago. And uh Let me see the label. It's a really simple sort of monotone. Looks like wine, doesn't label. it? Label. Yeah. And then uh the rye is like similar, but it, they just have it in a green Black Maple. Black Maple Hill. Kentucky. Oh yeah. Um, so this middle one. Where are these? Where are those motherfuckers? You ever been there? God, you got to go there. No, I've I've been meaning to do like the bourbon trail tour for a while. Jesus, it's actually it could be one that goes up in the charity auction this year for Seriously? the girls' school. So maybe I'll a bourbon. Yeah, do maybe you and shit? I should bid on it together. Let's fucking bid on it. <laughs> I would absolutely do that. Yeah. Oh my god, let's look at it. I would definitely fucking do that. I'll tell you, there's another way to do it too. Which is to roll in, and I don't do not suggest this fucking way. Is to roll through the hollers in a rental car. Yeesh. Mark H and I there, that's gave some that a scary go. shit, dude. They do it's, not because they know, like, they can hear you coming. Oh. To like, they can't hear the Rav Four come. There isn't a Rav Four in fucking four hundred miles of that holler, right? And they see fucking two fucking city boys come rolling through. The, the, you ain't and you're saying shit. You're going to. You're asking for like family still produced stuff. No, we were just. To be honest with you, we were just shooting plates. Like we were shooting. Okay. So we were and had time. So we were like, just let's. And as Mark H will fucking do, let's just go drive and get lost, and you end up in a hauler. And we wound up in this one place, like a church. We found a church that was unlocked. I had to piss. Did I have to? No, I would have pissed, just pissed outside. For some reason, I, I went inside this fucking church. It was open. I don't know what the fuck we were thinking, but we got, like, it is. it was not a welcome, there was no welcoming committee. Like, oh, as I'm you sure. made your way through the holler, there were, like, no. No. But I would love to fucking get back in there. And, and check out some, some bourbon Yeah, I mean, it, it's only gotten more and more interesting as whiskey has sort of boomed. You know, they've been doing oh, for more sure. and more interesting things, you know, not only in Scotland, but obviously in America as well. Yeah. So this middle one is a different so yeah, producer. Um, this is uh, an Eagle Rare 17. Oh, I've had Eagle Rare before. So the 10 kind of has this, like... I actually really love the Eagle Rare 10 for anyone who loves whiskey. It's, I think it's a really good deal. And the Eagle Rare 10 is this kind of piney, distinct taste. Oh. It. 
And this one is that is, is different. It's uh, like more refined and a little smoother. I almost That's like way smooth. There's a part of me that almost likes the ten a little better, honestly. Really, it has that sort of like such a pine that pine sort of distinct flavor. Yes, and I that love you don't that. Get Eagle. from any other whiskeys. Yeah. Um. Yep. This one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, that one I've bought that Eagle Rare Ten a couple times. Um, going to a um, dinner party or whatever, and and the whole bottle goes mm. like that's an easy drinker. It is for sure. And we drink the whole thing, and it's I love it. And it's um, I mean, I think it's like forty bucks. Yeah, it's like the same price as um, like a Knob Creek. Yeah, and I actually think it's. I much prefer it to Knob Creek. Oh, sometimes it's you, way better. Than you can Knob catch Creek. it on sale sometimes for like mid to low thirties, which is a steal. It's a that is an enormous fucking steal. Yeah, you can't do better. You can't do better. That's awesome, man. I've never had the seventeen. That's a that's a good fucking whiskey, man. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. Um, I'm a fan of bourbon. Not everyone is. You know, a lot of people are like a little snobby about and only drink single malt scotches, but. I think, you know, there's a lot of good deals and good values and there's oh, some interesting bourbon, man. I love bourbon. Yeah. Always have. And honestly, like I I love a you know, I love a fucking Jim Beam. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't love it, but like if I'm 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 happy. That's that's a lie. No, I do love it. I do love Jim Beam. I much prefer this right. <laughs> now that I'm old and have a job. Right. But like, you know, yeah, but somebody buys me a shot of beam and a fucking Budweiser. Like I yeah. love a bourbon. Yeah. Well, I love bourbon. Right on. It's good in American, right? Well, this is awesome, man. Thank you. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Let, uh, me, let me ask you something before you move down on your list. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to ask you, you don't have TV. So what the fuck are you going to do? About the new Happen Leonard series. Oh. Premiered yeah. last night. I saw someone, um, one of my favorite crime writers, this guy, Dwayne Swarzynski, who's a writer out of Philadelphia, posted a photo of like pre-gaming for the Happen Leonard. Yeah. And I was like, it was the first time I'd actually heard about it, but I Seriously? You know, inferred from I what, what he was saying. It. No, uh-uh. Oh, we haven't talked about it. No. I, um, those books are genius. Oh, you love them. Yeah. You love those. Absolutely. Joe Lansdale's like Yeah, you go- I know. To, that guy's this is he's like- gold. Everything that guy writes is awesome. You but, love him. Whether it's horror, thriller, or crime more crime fiction oriented yeah. stuff. Um and he's got numerous series that are just absolutely great. Standalone series. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's extremely prolific. Yeah. And everything yeah, that's he what writes told is me. really And solid. I'm reading one of his now. Okay. Is um, that a happen Leonard? No. Okay. It's not. It's um Oh, are you reading um, The Bottoms? The Bottoms. Yeah. That book is money. Yeah. And he won the Edgar Award for Best Crime Novel of the Year. Yeah. For that one. I'm just but. into it. And I'm happy to say that I have some airport time, some airplane time, and some f- hotel time. Nice. And that motherfucker is number one on the list. Number one on Good the list. Stuff. I'm psyched to see it. You won't so, be sorry. Oh no, I'm sure I won't. Um, uh, so f- let me. See, how am I going to get you the Happen Leonard stuff? I guess I- I'll, I'll probably. Steal I'll just it. buy it on iTunes. Oh fucking a. yeah! Yeah, we don't have to steal shit anymore. Yeah, you just fucking get by it, right? I, I mean, I honestly feel like, and this is the thing that they needed to do to keep people from bit torrent, bit torrenting everything. 
a square deal on like a series pass in iTunes for an HD, like twenty bucks for a season in Dude. HD or whatever, or twenty two, twenty three, whatever. I gl- gladly pay that. Done, yeah. done, fucking done. Yeah, done. And to be honest, the only shit that I steal now is is anything that I can't, you cannot get. Yeah, that you can't get. I'm like, trying to think. Did you ever see the? Do you remember the independent film that came out? It had Bruce Campbell in it. Um, Baba Hotep. Did you ever see that? Of course, yeah. Yeah, that's based on a Joe Lansdale short story. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Film I didn't. Is I, I, know, I know that from you. Yeah, because <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, yeah. I had seen Baba Hotep, and I didn't. And I remember you telling me that, and I was like, "That motherfucker came up with that idea. That's it's yeah. so ridiculous." He's got like a. He spent a large swath of his childhood going to like, um, B sort of a lot of B horror films and kind of B films at the drive-in. Okay, like, this well, that is someone who, someone whose childhood was shaped by like the drive-in theaters and drive-in movies, you know. Okay, so um, fucking Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I, Ozzy Smith as JFK. <laughs> it's so good, so genius. And any Bruce Campbell, like for me, if he touches it, I'm in. Yeah, like for sure. You know. Uh, have you ever have you ever read his fucking memoir? No. But that sounds like Dude. something I would love to check out. It's fucking genius. It's like, it's something about chins. Like, if chins could talk or the biggest chin in right. the room or... Right. Because his chin is fucking yeah. enormous, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, It's a, it's a three-hour read, uh, and it's funny as shit. Does he read the audiobook by any chance? That's a great question because that's a perfect audiobook. What a yeah. good... What, that's a... Check that out. I don't know. I'm going to check into that for sure. Yeah, yeah, check it out. So, um, to turn to food for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, two things food-related. First, I got a sous vide machine. Shut up. Um, yeah, the same client who I had the thing with Chef about. Like, we started talking more about food, and he was talking about how he got the sous vide machine. The Anova sous vide machine, which is like... Is that oh, the super pretty one? Then? It's really nice. It's like, sp- smartphone-enabled, so it has an app with recipes, and you, like, run the... Re- you basically are like, I'm making this recipe start, and it connects to via Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Um, so you can even leave the house and, like, see where whatever you're doing is at, like, on the smartphone. Um no top, like it kind of just like you. It gets sealed, and it kind of just. Fl- I guess what I'm remembering is the. What I remember is the website and the design being amazing. I I think you're thinking of there's another one. Okay, and it's funny because um, I bought the Anova, and then just today I got the email from the Kickstarter that I had purchased this other one as well. So I guess I'm gonna have two sous vide <laughs> machines. And the other one is like the tank is contained within it. I think that's the one you're thinking of, right? Um, it's like white around it with this like the tank for the water is contained within it. Correct. And, yeah. So that's not this one is like a cylinder. It's got a black face and like looks really like the digital interface on the top. Okay. Um, but I have to say. Like, so this is in house and have you used it? It's in house. Yeah. I've cooked salmon with the it twice and I've uh, cooked um, beef. Beef like tenderloins, Tender, tenderloins. Talk to me, dude. Oh What's my god, it's amazing. Shut up. <laughs> really? The um, best salmon and best best seafood and best steaks you'll ever have. I'm gonna start to branch Whoa, out and hold do. On. Hold... What? Yeah. What do you mean? What? Because well, you're a you're like the fucking barbecue <laughs> right. fucking guy. Grill like, you're guy. The grill yeah. guy. Yeah, I love grilling stuff. And you can like 
grilled salmon. It's so it's two different, two totally different things because you're going to get a texture and a moistness out of the salmon that you're never going to get from a grill. Like a, a. a grilled piece of salmon is a different animal than a sous vide piece of salmon. Absolutely. But the steaks, I have to say, like, because the thing about the steak is like it is medium rare from edge to edge. So you f- you bring it out and you finish it in a pan. You kind of sear it for put, put a little butter, maybe drop a little rosemary. It depends on what you've like vacuum sealed it with because you can vacuum seal it with herbs and some other stuff as well, garlic. Okay. Um, so you finish it in the pan when it comes out, 30 seconds aside or whatever, and you get a good sear on it. So otherwise it just looks like a uniform – I mean that's the, the beauty of CD is it's, a uni- it's totally uniform. But like when you cut that fucker open, it is medium rare from edge to edge, a perfect medium rare. Yeah. And you're not – you don't get that. Well, it's impossible to yeah. get that. Jesus. Okay. So does – for me, a steak um, and for that matter, a piece of salmon, one of the the best things about it is the char. That like nice, you know – that caramelized, crispy kind of edge, like when you when it comes out of the machine and you get it in the pan, as you're saying, can you get there? Can you get that nice crust? So the way I've been doing the salmon is like the salmon is like crazy moist and soft and sort of falling apart, but you put it skin side down and you do it for like you know really high heat. You sear it really quick on the skin side for like thirty to forty seconds, so the bottom gets like a little okay. crisp, but the salmon. Um, I wouldn't necessarily need it for salmon because salmon yeah. is so delicious. Like if you had just like some nice herbs, I could see right. like if, if if you sealed that thing, nice yeah, herbs. Yeah, but sealing with like a little lemon and some herbs. Some fucking lemon, nice herbs, a little bit of – no oil. It doesn't need oil. It's it's yeah. salmon. It's oily as shit. What I haven't done um, That's, is like – I bet you that salmon is fucking killer. Yeah. Is it really – Doing like a sort of miso marinade or something like that ahead of time that you vacuum seal? In there, well. how I mean, it's to oh me my. that sounds like the best salmon. It's magic, because the Mother the problem with fucker. salmon is like if you if you don't really know what you're doing, like it just gets so dry. Yes, and it's hard to like you feel like you're yes. eating sawdust. It's yes, we eat a lot of salmon at my house. Um, because I'm trying to feed that baby's brain. Right, I'll, I'm trying to. I'll feed loan that you fuck. this thing. You just download the app and. Oh um, yeah, I'll loan it to you for for a weekend. Awesome, or yeah, can, I'll take it and give that thing a shot. Um, I got, I got, I'm definitely going to. Other take genius it thing me. about this one is you can hook it onto any pan. So I'm just using like, um, you know, like a, um, hey. like a stob, you know, like a stob Dutch oven or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have all the, right. The so this Le Creuset, you know, like yeah, one sure, of those sure. Pans. Right. Um, you just hook it on the side of that, fill it up with water. It has a minimum mark that you have to, it has a minimum and a max, like on the actual sous vide tube. It's like a metal tube, circulates the water, gets it up to temp, pings your phone and says, it's time to put your food in. I got a vacuum sealer just to be like legit about it. Does it, it come with that? It doesn't. Okay. But you can get it like a good vacuum sealer for like 85 bucks. Yeah. Then you can use it to store food and do other stuff as I've well. I've always wanted an excuse for yeah. one of those anyway. Well, this is your excuse. For sure. Motherfucker. I was going to – I told myself I was not going to buy that a sous vide machine. So I appreciate the offer for the loan. I'm going to take you up on it because I want to try this thing out. I think especially, you know, knowing how much you like to get like flavor and, you know – how much, how passionate you are about like preparing things the right yeah, way, and yeah, texture and because that's this is that's a fucking you don't miss. 
Yeah. You can't miss because hard. it never gets higher than the t- like you no, can't it's fuck like it up. 122. You can't fuck it like, up. You do the Sam and I did like at 122 degrees for an hour and a half. And then you just finish it in the pan real what quick. What the fuck and you set the timer so you don't give a shit. Well, here's the thing though. The other one seems like if so if you're in a pot like you need to set you need if you're in a pot of water and you set that thing in it. You need to turn the flame on, turn the fire on, and you, you're cooking. What the? Fu- how? Wh- what are you talking about with the? So is this is the pot on just on the counter? This and this thing creates. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's how. And then you just set a timer. You can turn it on. So I'm going to be home from work at six o'clock, and I turn the timer on to start it at four o'clock. Yeah, I think you could do that. I haven't I haven't messed with that way because this thing. Okay. I'm, I'm, you don't I'm even following. have to do that because the Wi-Fi enabled one, you can just turn hit start on your smartphone when you're like, okay, it's four. I need this ready at five thirty. It takes an hour and a half. Boom, go, motherfucker. I'm I, I got I gotta I gotta check this thing out. So my first like like entree into sous vide was years ago. This guy named David Kinch, who's since become a little bit of an enemy. He's a um, <laughs> he's he's well well known in like he's world he's got at least two Michelin stars. He may have Jesus. He may have three at this point. Wow! Like he's a, he's a where does he cook? He is in San. Oh motherfucker! I, I'm I'm gonna. He's in. He's just outside of San Jose. He's in um San Luis Obispo? No, no, he's not on the shore. He's in like this he's in this weird rich town that has like a fucking Ferrari dealership. He's Santa in, Barbara? No, it's no, 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 no. It's up by oh. San Jose. Um San Mateo? No, it's fucking <laughs> actually it's not a San now that I think okay. of it. But San Mateo ain't that far off. Like it's it's near there, you know. He lives in Santa Cruz. Anyway, this guy's a fucking maniac and was in to be honest with you, a cool guy. I won't get into the whole fucking why. Two Michelin stars is no joke, dude. And so I mean, you're talking like you're at David Chang level and oh beyond. No. He this guy is a visionary. Stars. Like he only gets his his shit comes from one farm. Like it is Mark H became friends with him and like was enamored with him like you're a fucking amazing artist i'm an artist how can we connect let's do a book we shot for months we went down there and shot and shot and and ate at his restaurant for uh-huh. months and months wow which was amazing um so did this guy screw you guys over in the under what well yeah unfortunately like we shot all this stuff and he wound up going with like taking some of the photography and kind of misusing it and going with another publisher like we were trying like we were setting up to make a book with him and he, he just he was to, to tell the exact truth he was slight he was 30 percent dishonest and 70 percent just just oblivious. not oblivious like he's a chef and doesn't fucking get it and doesn't know he's like i'm just trying to make a book but there's also 30 percent where like you know what? In the world, you know you don't fuck somebody over that. Like we sunk in a bunch of money and time. 
you knew you should have stuck with us to fucking right. finish the thing off. For sure. So I get that you don't understand how photography and publishing works. I understand that. But but at the same time, everyone understands that like if someone's committed to you and you have a partner on a project, you see it through with that person. Doesn't matter what the nature of the business is. So go fuck yourself. Right. Exactly. Is the end is the yeah. end of the story, even if it's thirty, twenty percent. If it's fucking four percent, you go fuck yourself. At the end of the day, the guy's a fucking genius. Um, but anyway, his sous, he was sous vide and shit like before there was any sous vide machine. For and sure. he was, he had this amazing setup where he bought, he was buying, um, hospital, he was buying his equipment from hospitals that would, so obviously medical equipment is held to the highest standard of like you need to be able to hold a temperature of 512 degrees for five hours to do this for that you know what i mean it's right. medical equipment held yeah, yeah. to the highest standards for sure he's buying that kind of shit to sue v stuff so he could turn temps down to fucking 100 degrees so he was making these eggs in yeah, one of his standard eggs are supposed issues. to be amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. one of his. It has always been one of his his like signature dishes. Is this egg that like goes in the thing, fucking gets sealed, dropped in the sous vide, and in his machine that he bought, it was made to sterilize like surgical instruments. But right. he cooks eggs in it, which I right. think I love that. Right? Yeah. So he's like got this thing dialed to fucking seventy eight point three fucking degrees or whatever it is, or right. and cooking that egg for. 14 hours. Right. And you've got this insane egg that you're never going to, you right. know what I mean? There's no way to reproduce that. Yeah and, yeah. and this egg came from a chicken that was born on the third fucking Tuesday, seventh son of a seventh son type of shit. You know what right. I mean? So he's that type of, he's dialed into like all biodynamic farming and the guy's a fucking maniac and his restaurant is fucking amazing, but fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> So there's anyway, lo- there's lots of amazing restaurants out there. You can support someone who's not a that hasn't fucked your friends over. You bet your ass. Yeah, I bet that guy's fucking best friends with John Favreau. I bet <laughs> he probably has a food truck selling fucking molten lava cakes. Yeah, piece of shit. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask. We've been talking a little bit about you know I've been like. Big ups to Hulu and the original content recently. Yeah, man. So I have to I have to ask, um, have you seen uh eleven twenty two sixty three? Nope. You know what eleven do you know what that is? It's okay if you don't. I'm just wondering because it mean, was is it, it November twenty I don't know. No, what is it? Uh, the reason why I ask is because it was a popular Stephen King book before. Oh, no, uh, I, d- I don't. I 11 do is when Kennedy was the I was going to say, that's probably yeah. Kennedy, yeah. Yeah. So this book is about um, uh, the book slash movie. Um, James Franco plays the main protagonist. Oh, Jesus. Um, Chris, oh, God, what's his name? What's the name of the guy who's in the, the Orchid Thief, who plays the guy who's the Orchid Thief opposite oh. Meryl Streep? Chris... I'm blanking on the last name. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Yeah, I, I know who you mean. Yeah, um, I forget. So he plays, and what I love about Stephen King is like the premise for the, the premise for these really like crazy sort of out there stories is like the setup is so simple and yeah. it's almost taken for granted. Like 
the the fact that this guy can time travel back to this certain date in the 60s is just taken for granted and the mechanism for it is so simple that it's like so much not what the movie's about it's like the movie just, just takes for granted like yeah of of course, like I'm not time gonna, travel. I'm not gonna deal with how this time travel is happening or whatever because that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, what if this guy could go back in time and stop the Kennedy assassination? And what if like the past didn't want to be changed and the past like fights against you when you try to change it? Um, Interesting. And, so, um, eleven twenty two sixty three. It's a feature. Uh, it's a, they're like hour, hour and 20 minute series. Oh, it's a series. Uh, episodes. It's like a short series. I think there's going to be like six or seven Dude, episodes. Dude, how are we going to fucking keep up with everything? I know. I've never even there's, heard of this. I've never even heard of it. There's so much stuff. Holy shit. We're going to, we got to get some interns. Who wants to be a fucking intern? <laughs> right? I feel like we need interns. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I mean, but, seriously, never even heard of it. Seriously, just watch the first episode. I can pretty much guarantee you after the first episode, you're going to be like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, the the opening how scene. Many, how, how old is I, this? Just thing? watch the first five minutes. I can guarantee you that the opening scene is going to have you hooked. God, sucker. Because I gotta, op- I gotta get the it. opening yeah. scene is like it's so funny because like so much of Stephen King like his stories are have to have this grain of like his real life in them because this James yeah. Franco character plays this writer who's teaching at a community college and he's kind of leading this sort of (laughs) like unfulfilled life where he's not actually writing and he's like in this sort of artistic slump. Um, And you know, like that, at least that part of it is probably based on some sort of real experience in Stephen King's Of course, yeah. Of course. Um, But um, it opens with this brilliant scene and it's got this guy who... Uh, was an actor in Deadwood, and he's a character actor, and he's reading this um, creative writing essay that he wrote. And what's crazy about it is, like, <laughs> it's so the brilliant brilliance of it. And I've experienced this as someone who has like taught creative writing to a variety of people from unconventional backgrounds. Um, the brilliance of it is like the raw honesty. Like it doesn't really have to do with the the writing so much as it as like the raw honesty of the anecdote this guy is recounting, and it's it packs a serious punch. No shit. Yeah, and God. then then you get of course you're like, as soon as he goes back, you know he's like so not only is there this like the Kennedy thing is like the historical event writ large, but he's also heard this story about this profound thing that happened with this guy's father that affected him and his family. And he also has the opportunity to like do something on a more personal level side. Yeah. Like a sort of like, Oh, well, as long as I'm back here, while I'm here, and if I'm trying to change the course of events, like maybe I could change this as well. And the assumption is that the series will deal with the repercussions. Oh, it deals with a lot of the repercussions immediately. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And um, James Franco in an Hulu original series. Yes, dude. I mean, how fucking high did you see dollar? Th- do you need to get like this is Hulu but hiring the, James Franco? The thing is, um, a lot of those actors like. Did you see Tom Hardy has a TV series coming out? No, I mean Tom Hardy is like at the height of his career. Yes, and I think he's just. There's just so many interesting creative opportunities. Oh my god! That like it's I, so I think exciting. It's, it's no longer 
uh, you know, like uh, doing a TV show is no longer seen as like you're slumming it or you're Fuck in a career no. slump. Or Fuck no. No, no, no. No. And God, and, and, and the great thing is, is it's kind of the death knell for the network, um, you know, sort of just power for sure. fucking triumvirate, right? Where yeah. they're just like, you know, NBC and ABC and CBS, like, they, own Thursday night or yeah. Tuesday night. The amount like, of stuff that's coming out across the level, you know, uh, Amazon, like, my girls are currently obsessed with this Amazon original series. Both Amazon and Netflix are just cranking out documentary, comedies, kids series. Dude. Adult series. This, this, this. Boom, 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 boom. It's an unbelievable torrent of content. It's because so great. There's besides this eleven twenty two sixty three. There's another series coming out that has um, Michelle Monaghan, um, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, and like three other like really serious actors. And it's about this like weird doomsday cult or something. Yeah, I've seen. Oh wait, um, sorry. Where where is this? It's another Hulu series. It's Hulu. Um. And it's a cult that took place in the 80s in West Hollywood. Right. Correct? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, dying to see that. I just was reading about that today. Um, yeah, that looks fucking... That thing looks so good. That thing looks great. God damn it, man. How do you keep up with it? Um, look, so on, on the, while we're on the topic of um, Hulu, Netflix, original content, which... I mean... How often are we talking about this? We talk about this all the time. Pretty much every episode. Almost every episode. So let me ask you, um, the most recent thing I've seen on Netflix as far as new original Netflix content is uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon Part Deux. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. That looks shit to me. Okay, so (laughs) let me tell you that I dialed into it last night, tuned up. Ready to go. Let's. I'm because for me, that movie is fucking genius. Yeah, that movie is so good. I mean, Chow Yun Fat for fuck's sake, the fat man. Yeah, oh, what are you gonna do? I mean, Chow Yun Fat and Michelle Yeoh at like the height of her. Yeah, oh god, she's beautiful. At least they got her for the second one. She's charming, she's such a great act. She's like, I'm in love with her. So I'm fucking ready and raring to go. I see it on, you know, homepage, boom, yes, play, immediately, go. Dude, I'm telling you fucking eight minutes in. <laughs> I'm telling you eight minutes. I'm fucking Audi 500. Like, right, of course. Dunsky and yeah, much. of course. I mean, what the fuck, man? How can you... You don't have those kind of... Do- I, I, actually, it's not even money. I don't. I don't know what it is, but... I guess, why is it why, of course? Why is it, of course? Because um, it's, I mean, who... It felt like... Why is... It's, why can't it's they... Not, it's not... It doesn't have the same kind of cultural impact. The cultural moment for that movie has passed. That's why when I saw it, I was like... You think that? I'm not interested. You think that's the reason? N.A. Nope. Not applicable. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's your kind of like a moment in time you're 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 attributing maybe to this. Yeah. Is one so of the reasons I think um they're interesting for the people who okay, so there are 
obviously diehard fans who are always going to love those kind of movies, the sort of, you know, martial art, you know, zoo warriors of magic mountain or whatever. Like that's a very specific type of Asian martial arts film. Yes, it is. That's right. That a lot of people in, so it was totally unique. It can only be totally unique once to an American audience. And I think it like just hit at the right time for American audiences. And so to do a second one, I'm like, okay, there's only so many people who are going to watch people like fly through trees, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I have no answer for, for why it sucks other than it blows. I mean, the thing, but the thing is, is I, I don't know that I would attribute it also, to timing. I don't know why. I don't give a shit about timing. But it just looks like shit. But why do you have to? It also felt like you're just you're cashing in on something that has well, lost most of its cachet. And why not just cr- use Michelle Yeoh, who's amazing, to create an entirely new story? Well, now you're fucking talking because that is why didn't you do that? If she signed up for something, and who knows what the particulars are and why she was on board to begin with, but if Michelle Yeoh is at all interested i mean jesus christ the the fucking opportunities are endless i mean she's she's amazing like why would you yeah you know man, what i would thing, do is i'd say like turd hmm. on fucking fire that thing like, is the worst i mean you have to be able to use your the algorithm again the same algorithm that told you like house of cards plus kevin spacey is a fucking sure hit to be like, I have to imagine somewhere someone could have dialed that algorithm and said, you know what? Wong Kar Wai and Michelle Yeoh super fucking hit. Like let's give Wong Kar Wai like a blank slate to come up with a new movie or a new series or whatever the fuck he wants. Are you shitting me? I'd leave my family and quit my job (laughs) and wait in line naked to watch that fucking thing. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, so that's what what, I think instead of the times that they've failed is when they've played it safe and tried to cash in on the equity of something instead of pushing Uh, forward and doing something. Agreed. Absolutely. And, and I think this, hopefully this will be, you know, uh, a tick in the column, like a lesson for them to realize, like we need to be more original than this. And like, you, you can't, you know, no more part two. Right. Or if it's part two, then you better be super, f- like, like there's 30 filters that need to be right. fucking, you know, passed through before you get there. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> in case you needed so, a warning, yeah. don't don't fucking bother. So, you know, you I think you should watch on Talk Netflix that just came out is the new Michael Pollan four-part series, Cooking. Uh, it's based on his new book. So, he did this really interesting thing where... <laughs> Fuck, there's not enough hours in the day, man. I, I'm, yeah. I love that guy. You're, so he there's this really interesting thing where he's obviously been a hugely influential person in the food world. Oh, you know, yeah. And in the world of super confusing advice about how to eat and how to eat healthy, like, yeah, he's one of the people that's you know simplified, like, simplified it and taught us all something that sticks. Like the whole shop, the shop the perimeter don't shop the middle thing like just about anyone can, even in the titles of his books can dictate you th- like that advice well, even though they might wasn't have been he, was he from. wasn't he the one that was like eat food 
Mostly vegetables. Eat real food. Mostly vegetables. And not too much. Not too much. I mean, what the fuck, man? I mean, that's yeah. like a number of syllables, right? Um, so it's really interesting. Um, so he did this new – his new book is um, – and it kind of comes to light in the series that he didn't, he doesn't really, he didn't really know how to cook before um, he did this book. So he said about like, really? I'm going to do this really interesting. There's this really interesting moment early on. So the first episode, all the, all the episodes are based around the elements. So fire, water, cool. air, or Jesus. I assume is the last one. Cool. I, I haven't actually made it all the way to the third one because, um, I, Nicole came in when I was watching these and now she insists that I watch them with her because she's really into them. Awesome. Um, so what it is is fire starts off with saying we are basically as a species biologically we have biologically adapted to cooked food. Um, and the notion that like you could eat a raw diet like he talks to this guy who was like studying um, apes and chimpanzees in the wild and he tried to eat what chimpanzees were, chimpanzees were eating. There's a reason why like primates spend most of their waking hours eating because raw food, it's like not only is it harder to chew and harder to digest and they have the teeth, they have the jaw structure, they have the stomachs. Um, and we have evolved to eat cooked food, um, that is cooked, you know, with the advent of fire, um, and cooking actually, um, allows the calories to release in a different way. And it allows food to be softer. So it's easier to chew. It's easier to digest. Um, so he goes kind of through the history of and different cultures, fascinating and the way they use fire um, and things really? like that, and uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Goes through the history of um, you know with air, it's like bread and how air and the process of air changing this bread and how what? like yeah, it's it's awesome. You you'd absolutely love it. You're shitting me. So sorry. Um, Netflix. Netflix. Michael Pollan four part series. Each one is like maybe a little over an hour. All right, how the fuck, <laughs> how the f- fuck have, have, do I not know this? Because I'm on Netflix every fucking night. Every night, judge as you will, I fucking, when it's time for fucking everybody's asleep, and it's, it's the it's one time for me. It's because you've been watching the Trailer Park Boys and all this stuff. <laughs> fuck you! Oh my god, that's a low blow. That's a low blow. Netflix is it's so true. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that fucking hurts because like, they the cross section of people that watch Trailer Park Boys and Michael Pollan has to be like a tiny fucking microscopic dot. That shit fucking hurts, man. That's just a low fucking blow. Because it shows up, and last night, actually, it fucking showed up in a in a feed. Um, but sincerely, though, like, um, how how do we navigate Netflix? Like, and, and maybe this is a topic for another discussion, because it's fucking terrible. They're, 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 well, they're, they're, I, I what do you like do? They're in a transitional period where they're kind of in, like, this hybrid mode of, like, and you notice now they have that big band of like Netflix original stuff. Like they've got, they're in this weird middle point where they have one foot in each territory. It's like we have, a, we're, we're a, like a robust content studio. We almost have enough stuff that you care about us just for this, but we're not, you know, we're not quite at an HBO level yet yep. where we have such a back catalog that like that's all you care about is our original content. Right. So they're kind of like just keeping up with enough new stuff. 
You know, and there's like part of it, part of what I love about Netflix is like all the 30 for 30 stuff and all that stuff. But at some point they're going to reach a tipping point where they have so much original stuff and they're producing so much stuff at once that like your, your sign. And I think a lot of people now is like are signing into Netflix for a lot of the original stuff, but they're not quite at that point yet where they've reached that tipping point. So they're still relying on other people's content at this point, but the interface now has gotten like, you can tell the interface is at this, they're at this awkward st- stage where the interface really isn't serving the end user that well anymore. It's rough because um, I have no idea. Like you have this assumption that Netflix is this vast library and yeah. which it is like, I think there's so much stuff that's there. There's a lot of, there is a lot of stuff, available. but it feels hard to access now all of a sudden. You f- I mean, it's, it is impossible because they're trying to place a priority on their original content. And when you, and not to get too super fucking in the weeds, but like when you access on your queue or the list or whatever is the only way to still dude, access. That's that the, that's like. how I bet 90% of the people access shit is through well f- iOS is like a, a huge portal for people no matter if you're on an iPad or in Apple TV or what have you like how do you like how do you find out what the fuck is on Netflix and what you should be watching and like we that's something here I'll leave it at this because this is a bigger conversation we need – I think you and I need to offer a solution to people a little bit, how to crack the code a little bit and find shit on Netflix. Let's challenge ourselves. Okay. Interesting. To to figure out – like because, you know, there's people that are like, here's the new releases and there's Google Chrome extensions and there's all kinds of shit that's out there. But, like, how the fuck do I not know that there's a Michael Pollan – like that should be front and center. And yeah, then, I think I've lot. I've. I mean, I'm sure you have too. I've watched a lot of food documentaries and food related stuff. Yeah, I've watched like Mind of a Chef. I've watched. You know, they had that amazing Chef's Table, series, Chef's Table, which was oh, once again like just fucking blow away food blow related away content. Shit. Yeah. So um, maybe because I've like watched all that stuff, they were like, "We know you're gonna love this. Like, here it is in your face." And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little resistant because, like, Michael, you don't want to get Michael Pollan, too. I was like... You don't want somebody fucking I'm a little, telling a little you. like, you know, yeah. he, we're on the other side of the curve of Michael Pollan at this point. He's, oh, yeah. He, we hear we heard you. We we agree. Yeah. You like, bet this what, better be new. And, and honestly, I was very pleasantly surprised because it did feel like it was new. That's cool. So, like, he's got some additional stuff to say that was really interesting to me. So... Is that? Um, let's talk about one more thing, and then I feel like we should wrap it up for this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every frame of painting, dude. This is new for me. I know, like you and JG, who are like the fucking super film geeks and have like film backgrounds and went to film school. This might be old news for you, but for me, this this every frame of painting, which is uh, a YouTube series where they like six to seven minute videos. They go into like, for example, the way the Coen brothers shoot dialogue and they'll just focus in on this one thing. Ugh. And it's so illuminating and revelatory for me. Um, I found this thing and it's just like, it feels like you're going to film school on YouTube. How'd you find, how'd you find it? The Coen brothers thing. I, I think it was like somehow it popped up in my YouTube feed. Oh, God, and I, I feel it, terrible and- for not like, I feel bad for not 
Like, and not not that I'm like, oh, dude, I've seen everyone, and you need to fucking not that I'm that guy, but I feel bad for not fucking having hipped you to it earlier, um, because I feel the same way. Like, not since like cl- I wasn't a I didn't go to film school, but I took many film classes, and there hasn't I haven't had the same gratification since then until I saw this series. Like, it, it, because it doesn't happen, like, you read, and I do nerd out, and I still buy, like, the, you know, the Maureen Corrigan fucking women in film, like, and I l- read it, and I look at it, and I read all the film nerd fucking magazines, and they, and, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, and I, I struggle through them because, you know, I don't know, I just do, but that, this thing is so approachable, and is so like is so well done and it has the upper edge it's of incredibly well done for something that is just on YouTube. Well, you I mean, think it that has... this was like a professional produced series that was a TV show that Dude, someone put on YouTube. Right. I mean, how good, I mean, how good it is, is this thing? Unbelievably good. And the thing is, is like a magazine or a book or never, you, you can't like you, you can't work. It, it doesn't work because th- we're talking about film. We're talking about moving images and fucking sound and shit. Like, you need to be able to see, like, film happening if you're going to talk about it. And that's what this thing does. And it breaks it down. And it hits pause and it talks about it. Which is all I ever want to do. Like, when I'm, you're watching a movie, like, you hit pause and you're like, holy fuck. Look at this shot. Like, you know? And that's what this thing does. This series is... Ugh. It's so great. It is so great. Do you know anything about the people that make it? I know nothing. I know nothing, nothing either. But um, do yourself a favor. Watch the Coen Brothers uh, episode about the the way that they shoot dialogue and how they do it differently than just about anyone. And also watch the Buster Keaton episode. Um, I would recommend both of those. So, yeah. So if you watch both those and you're like, nah, I'm not into this, then you should probably also just stop listening to this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. If you don't like, so every frame of painting, the very first episode is the Coen brothers shot reverse shot. And it is an introduction to the basic language of film. And it's not boring. It's not like film. Oh no. Like, it's not like, Oh my God. These are not- super accessible. And if you <laughs> like film, it's just going to make you like film even more. Yeah. And yeah. And, and it makes you feel empowered to like, to, you know, be more critical of the films that you are watching and to be able to expect more out of the directors and the people that are making movies for you now, because like they need to be. Like, people need to be held to a higher fucking standard. Yeah. And we're talking to you, John Favreau. Yeah. <laughs> Directly. John Favreau, you should go watch this fucking series and learn something. <laughs> it's the best. Every frame of painting. Yeah. Every frame of painting. Really, really great. So good. Like, if YouTube was doing more stuff like that, and I haven't watched the YouTube Red stuff, be interesting. Maybe for next next time, oh, what we should do is we let's should sign each up for it. sign up for YouTube Red and and each watch a series or a movie or whatever on YouTube Red and see if what's going on. Done. Yeah, I'll fe- sign up it for feels it. really funky and grassroots. Dude, it's dodgy, man. Like like one of the things that came up when I was looking at it the other night was I did something. I was watching something on YouTube. 
Actually, I was watching one of my favorites. That I have to save for another episode because it's been vital to me for years, and we have to talk about P.G. Wodehouse, um, Jeeves and Worcester, the whole thing. We're gonna have to talk about it um, because I'm obsessed with it again. Like I've I've loved it for twenty years, but and I'm now in another obsession. Where I'm reading it and watching it, and I'm nuts about it. But at any rate, I was watching a YouTube video and clicked through to another application and like did something else. What the f- what? Jeez, what a fucking nerd! But I fucking like clicked through and I was looking at an email or some shit, and like a a, a notification popped up and it said. If you would like for YouTube to continue to play in the background while you switch to another application, please sign up for RedTube, free for a week, fucking whatever. So it's like they they're offering very st- that seems like a very strange offering. It does, right? Wait, like so commercial free. I get they're basically telling you you can't have YouTube playing in the background. Correct, unless you sign up for this thing. That's the message I got. What a fucking crock of shit that is. Like, so don't, I get don't tell me I can't multitask without paying you, dude. Yeah, I'm doing a shitty job. I'm I'm doing it all the time <laughs> yeah. and doing a terrible job at it. Like, let me fucking continue on yeah. fucking everybody while I do it. Yeah. Um. So I guess my point is is that maybe obviously still being ironed out. Um, yeah. But I mean the obvious. The, the obvious gain is that you like they're fighting again because Hulu has the same thing, two extra dollars a month, boom, no commercials. You're out of the weeds. Yeah, and thank YouTube, fucking god. For fuck's I, I, I feel like sake, dude. I feel like Hulu's just getting to the point where it feels worth it. Hulu's yeah. It, for me, I mean, if it's if it means because if I'm watching like today, I found myself I spent probably 11 minutes of my day today watching compilations of Emerald Lagasse BAM videos. <laughs> BAM! BAM! That's, I, 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 for whatever reason today, I was, I wanted to see Emerald Lagasse highlights. Kick it up a notch! BAM! I fucking love Emerald Lagasse. He's from, yeah. he's from my part of the fucking I love the fucking guy. I, f- but- I feel like a catchphrases at this point need to be like, you need to rotate through a bunch of them. <laughs> my my point being, though, like, like I had to watch fucking, I had to watch, like, ads. And I was like, I just want to watch fucking ad- I mean, what I'm about to watch is, al- I already know it's going to suck. So I got to watch right. something shitty to watch something shitty. Yeah. Like, I'm... The, the idea that... Um, all for all these platforms that like the way you monetize it is advertising. It just feels so broken and dumb. Dude. Like you can't come up with something more creative than that. <laughs> even it's even like so Patreon is like more creative, than right? That. I mean, it's so archaic. Like here's your here's what you get, and I would gladly if YouTube was. Doing if YouTube was facilitating a bunch of content that was as good as every frame of painting, I would gladly pay. You know? Oh, and they the, they're the that level of quality is so few and far between on YouTube. It's like the slash drive channel does like 
that level of content for motorsports. You have every frame of painting. There's a few things like there's some people doing some kind of like nerd culture related stuff. Um, that's pretty good and pretty well produced. The, sh- the thing is, but is like it's- the only way they have to make money is to monetize by advertising too. And it just feels really broken. It's completely broken. No one likes it. The content makers don't like it. The audience no. doesn't like it. You've got to come up with some other way. And you know what makes it even more difficult is that there's competition coming from you're surrounded from all angles. And I'll tell you something. I was just listening to one of our last episodes where you were talking about Twitch. Yep. And you had meant, you said something and it stuck out to me as I just was kind of like like scrubbing through one of our more recent episodes where Twitch has more listeners per week than fucking more Sports viewers, Center. Yeah. Yep, as many viewers as Sports Center. Yep. So I was like, "All right, well, let me check out Twitch." So I went and checked out Twitch, and I found like this incredible. Like, it's like you think that it's like, oh, it's some it's some fucking ultra nerd buried in Indiana playing Mario Kart. Nope, it is not. Like, there's shit on there. Like, I found the most unbelievable. This woman that does this body painting, that where she body, dude, I know. Give me a minute. Like (laughs) she does, I know it sounds like I'm on the wrong keywords here, but like, (laughs) but uh, she's like in a. She does this body painting where she does. she, She paints herself to look like a comic character that is. It's uncanny. Oh, it's like those makeup tutorials. It's it's like that. But, so she does. No, but there are people that do extreme makeup tutorials where it's like, so you want to look like Sally from The Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes, it's shit like that. Yeah. It's it's that. But this is at a level where it's like, okay, I want to be. Um, who, who was the woman in whoever the woman was in like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Right, like the super hot green yeah. chick. Yeah, like she's like, okay, you want to look like her? She doesn't just like look like her. Like here's kind of what she would look like. She has like she's highlighted what the lighting is. She's highlighted like shadows on her body and her face. And like when you look at a picture, when you look at a picture of her, you swear to. F- so she ends her time lapse, her fucking two and a half, three hour time lapse of makeup application. She ends that time lapse video, which is about four minutes. I don't know, six right. minutes. I don't know. I don't watch the fucking thing. It's scrubbed to the end, but it's four to six minutes long. She ends that with a still shot, and you look at the still, and you're like, "Holy shit!" It. it yeah, that's that's the chick from Guardians of the Galaxy, and then she moves, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's fucking you!" That you're like, you're a person, and you painted yourself that way. Holy Jesus. shit! So that's awesome. It's super cool, an amazing thing. Point being that, um, like, content is coming from fucking everywhere, and from people that aren't even really getting paid for it. And how do you compete with that? Yeah. No kidding. Right? All right. Well, Holy on that, on that note. Yeah, man. We've gone. We've gone. This is a long one. This is super fun. I like. Yeah. I it like, was super fun. Yeah. We got we to gotta mix maybe. Yeah. 
try a mix of maybe a little bit of a thing and a no, and no thing. For sure. This is super fun. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully we, you discovered some interesting stuff this week. I think we talked about a lot of stuff that's currently happening. So hopefully you find something useful. Uh, thanks as always to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance. If you want to hit us up, the best way to do that would be, uh, at GLO podcast on Twitter. Uh, otherwise thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thanks everybody. See you.